Well, Meadowbrook, God has purposed you to be a church family that really is a cultivation by which his children can thrive. That you and I would cultivate in such a way ministry and fellowship and worship so that his children could thrive. I want to talk about that a little bit today. Take your Bibles and let's look to Colossians chapter 3 together. This great epistle of Colossians chapter 3 beginning in verse 12. Uh, I'm not going to necessarily hang right there, but I've got other passages that I want to point to as well. Uh, I'm in between a series of messages that I'm preaching from 1 Peter and 2 Peter and sort of in between those epistles and it gives me opportunity to step back and just concentrate on a few topics which is what we're doing and little did I know that there would be a movement of God's spirit among college campuses around the U.S. and some churches and such that God would begin to cultivate and stir in the hearts of people Little did I know that he was going to begin with us about three weeks ago to ready our heart for what I pray and hope would be a mass sweeping of the Holy Spirit through people who are eager to see him move in their lives. Uh, I want to be one of those. As soon as I heard what was beginning in Asbury and now in other places, my prayer whispered out very quickly, oh Lord, do it in me. Do it in my family. Do it among our church. Do it in our community. Uh, let there be a great movement of your Holy Spirit to the glory of King Jesus. So I'm excited about this series of cultivating our hearts, how God does that. And one of the ways that he does that is by you and me being part of and active in a vibrant church and that we would be vibrant church members. It's part of the way he cultivates us uh, within the faith family. So let's look at Colossians chapter 3 verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones. Man, there's so many, there's so many phrases and words in this that I just want to stop and just sort of stomp around on for a minute. The fact that you and I are chosen ones of the Almighty God, you just can't let that go by and not just say amen to that and just hallelujah to that. That God would choose us. So put on then God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom, all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word, or D, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Uh, that passage summarizes pretty quickly what you and I have been spending three weeks doing, drawing near to God. We're drawing near to God because he has drawn near to us. We are loving God because he has loved us. We are exercising what Christ has already extended to us. 
And we want to do that in the environment of a vibrant church. We want to be part of the membership that makes up a vibrant church. So each Sunday we've been looking into ways that God has been nurturing and continues to nurture in us spiritually. We're doing so because we want to draw near to him because he, by his spirit, has placed a longing in us. And if I might say an empowering longing in us, it's not just that he gives us a longing to draw near to him, but he has empowered that to be. He is wooing us and he is fulfilling that. So we first looked at how God cultivates in our heart by the Holy Spirit through intimate prayer. And we began to think about how we might practice a rhythm of prayer that would cultivate a constant conversation with God in prayer. Just throughout the day and throughout the evening, a, conversion, a conversing with God in prayer. And then we looked at how we engage God's word, how we read it, how we reflect on it, and how we respond to it. It's not just reading it, but it's reading it to understand it with the wisdom that the Spirit of God would give us as he is our teacher. And then he empowers us to walk in those truths that we might do them. It's not enough just to hear the word. It's to hear the word and do the word. And God's word is so specific to us about that. And then today I want to see how God is nurturing in our hearts, shaping us and transforming us spiritually through this vibrant church life. These three spiritual disciplines, intimate prayer, engaging Bible study, and vibrant church life, they are, if you will, the big kahunas of spiritual transformation. It is how God works spiritual disciplines in us and we practice those by the movement of the Spirit of God that our hearts would be developed to draw near to him and to be in a sweet relationship with him and fellowship with him. Now, don't misunderstand me. There are lots of different spiritual disciplines that God has instituted for his children and they are good for us, but these are the three that we focused on for this Sunday and the past two Sundays where God moves really wondrously for spiritual formation. So as you know, God's church, his universal church is invisible, but it is the body of Christ. Now that invisible body of Christ is made visible by the individual bodies in local churches. So that means Meadowbrook, you are the manifestation of the body of Christ today. You are the the words of Christ, you are the compassion of Christ, you're the ministry of Christ. Everything that you and I are to be about is about what Christ did while he was on the, the world, on the planet, and what he longs for us to do as his body and his Holy Spirit is engaging us to do just that. It's through the church that God's purposes are flourishing. And it's through the church that we grow up in every way to be like him who is head, Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said to the Ephesians church. So the Apostle Paul gave a lot of instruction about how you and I would be cultivated and nurtured as Christians. He gave lots of instructions how you and I would be Christ-like. But listen to this. He didn't give instructions on how we would be Christ-like as individuals. He never gave specific individual instructions to Christians. He gave instructions to individual Christians who were part of the body of Christ. And that's a big difference. 
On the record, catch this, there are no solo flying Christians. But you and I are brought together by the Spirit of God, cultivated by him within the body of Christ. In fact, you see this all through the scriptures that you and I are brought into the kingdom of Christ by his glorious grace, brought out of darkness and ushered into his kingdom of light. And listen how he identifies us. He identifies us as members, members of the household of God. It's not just that you're members, but you are members of something. And what is that something? It's the household of God. And you are parts, but it's not just that you are parts, but that you are parts making up the body of Christ. And that you and I are brothers and sisters. And we are brothers and sisters in the family of God. And you and I are living stones that God assembles together, building up a spiritual house by which the cornerstone is Jesus himself. And you and I are soldiers in the army of God. And we are priests in the priesthood of God. You see, we are individuals in Christ, but the individuals are forming something much larger. We are brought into unity in the body of Christ, and we are meant to flourish in that. People are more likely to flourish when they are part of a vibrant church life. And the vibrancy doesn't come in the building. It doesn't come in the music. It doesn't come in the preaching. It comes in the people. That's where the vibrancy is in each of us individually making up a vibrant church of Jesus Christ. And thereby God is uniting us and connecting us one together that we might be something greater than we are individually. D.L. Moody, that famed lay preacher, told the story once of a pastor who had a member that sort of dropped out of attendance and in ministry. And he tells the story of a cold evening that that pastor showed up at that member's house who was sitting alone in front of his fireplace on a cold night. Guessing the reason for the pastor's visit, the, the man welcomed the pastor into his house and sat him at a most comfortable chair he had right there by the fireplace. And he just waited on what the pastor was going to say to him. The pastor made himself at home, but he didn't say anything. Instead, the two men just sat there looking at the blaze there in the fireplace, just watching the flames dance around those burning logs. And after a few minutes, the pastor, who was still silent, took the tongs of the fireplace and just reached in there, grabbed one of those hot embers and placed it on the hearth. And there it was in its glow, sitting on the hearth. And the two men watching that happen, what was once a glow was now diminishing, uh, not flaming any longer. And soon that ember was cold and dead no longer a fire. Silently, the pastor sat there and he glanced at his watch and realized what time it, it was and he stood up and he took that ember and he placed it among the flames there in the fire and he started walking to the door and he reached the door handle, he opened the door and the, the man stopped the pastor and he said, pastor, thank you for coming today. And thank you for that fiery message. I'll see you Sunday.
I think you and I need to pause and just consider for a moment that if you want the flames of revival to brightly burn in you, you will have to have the vibrancy of the body of Christ burning with you. I'm grateful for Dr. Bob Mulholland, who is a former pastor, a professor emeritus at Asbury Seminary, where God, as you know, now has begun to work among the students there. He once said that you can no more be conformed to the image of Christ outside the corporate spirituality than a coal can burn brightly outside of the fire. It can't happen. So God wants to cultivate your heart. God wants to move in you, making you draw near to Jesus and, if you will, be shaped more in your mind, in your heart, in your attitude, in your life to be like him. He wants you to be shaped gloriously in the image of his son, but he requires that you do that with others. He requires that you and I would live out the expression of that. Can I just tell you, it's pretty easy to do this thing, Christianity, when you're all alone. But when you engage other people... Uh, that's where the testing comes. And that's where the sharpening comes. And that's where the, the, the faith has to step in. I encourage you to be very engaged, vibrantly engaged right here at Meadowbrook. And if you're not going to do it here at Meadowbrook, ask the Holy Spirit to move you to a church where you can be vibrant. Where you can serve him, love him by loving other people. You and I need to be very vibrant, alive in the places where God has moved us by his spirit. So God wants to cultivate your heart to make you more like Jesus to his glory and the good of others and yourself. Now, some of you might discount that statement that God wants to make you more like Jesus. You might all of suddenly assume that that's not probable for you, that I'm talking about somebody else. I'm talking about somebody who's more given, somebody who's more forward. But listen, I'm talking about every one of us. If you're discounting that, my friends, you are discounting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't discount the gospel. You will, you will be like Christ when you die itself and you are made new in Jesus. That's how that begins. It's not by you putting on some kind of works or putting on a measure of this or stopping doing that. No, it's when you and I would die to self, surrender ourselves to Christ and say, no more of me, but all of you. And when that happens, oh, my friends, do you and I become like him? When we live in the resurrection of Jesus, when the nature of Christ is flourishing in us, because we beat down the flesh that wants to rise up and we say, oh no, we're, we're men and women of the spirit and we choose to press towards him. So don't discount the power of the gospel. It's transformative to those who are redeemed in Christ Jesus. Anybody can draw near to Christ. Anyone who is willing to die to self and be made new in Jesus, anybody. Look at Romans chapter six, verse four on the screen and then verse six through eight. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. Now, listen, let me just give you a little clarifying word there. We were buried with Jesus when we were immersed by faith into his death. That's what that passage is saying. 
We were immersed in Christ by faith in him that he shared the death with us in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So why did Christ die? Christ laid down his life that he might pick it up again. Christ laid down his life there on the cross so that he might take your death that you might live in him. That's the whole purpose. That you and I would walk differently. Not that we would make our life different. That we would do things differently. That we would be better at this or better at that. But that we would be made new in Jesus Christ. And that passage goes on to say in verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ we believe that we will also live with him. And you can't get any more clear than that. Christ wants you and me to walk in him, to be like him, that our mind would be like his, that we would have the mind of Christ, the very words of Christ, the will of Christ, the way of Christ. And how does he do that? Not by us making ourselves differently, but by Christ giving us a new life that's different. So we surrender the old and we live to the new. Some of you have yet to do that. You've yet to lay down your life. You're trying your best to work towards religion in a way that God would accept you. It's not possible. You can't be acceptable if you're holy when there's something coming before you that is sinful. You can't live spiritually if you're still dead in your sin. So you come to Christ in faith and say, God, if anybody's going to be able to do this, it's not going to be me. It's going to be you. Will you give me that gift? And he says, oh, I'm already extending it. I'm already offering it to you. For you to even have the thoughts, my friend, tells you that God's spirit is already at work in your life. Why don't you just surrender to him? Why don't you surrender to him? He'll nail your cross, your life to the cross. He'll pay the burden of your sin. Justice will be served by Christ for you. And he'll do it so that you can walk with him. That's the whole part of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old passes away. Behold, all things become new. You can be new. So if you've not surrendered to Christ, putting your faith and trust in him, let me encourage you to do that today. Now receive his offer of mercy and grace and he'll forgive you of your sins and his mercy and he will give you new life in his grace. And then the Holy Spirit will take up residence in you. He will indwell you, giving you a new heart, a new mind shaped in the manner of Christ himself that you might exercise from that. So we know the Holy Spirit is working within us, shaping us when our desires and our thoughts and our motives and our treasures are all akin to Christ. How about you? Over these last three Sundays, have you seen this to be true in you? That your thoughts are more given to that of Christ? That your ways are more unto him? That your motives are different? That your desires are different? Are you, are you seeing that you're more akin to Christ? If so, this is the grace of God. 
This is the working of God's Holy Spirit in you. This isn't just something you're doing spiritually, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. This is the working of God. There is nothing good in you or me. Anything good in you or me is of Christ. So if you're sensing that, press, to, press on. Press to him more. Press into that. Oh, God, I still have such a long way to go in this journey with you. But what you are doing in me, yes. Yes, do it, Lord, I pray. Let me be engaged in these things that are of Christ. Let me forsake that which is not. So we should embrace this work of Christ eagerly, longing for it, seeking it, to practice it, those things which shape us. And what are we talking about? We're talking about being shaped by his Holy Spirit through intimate prayer. Morning, afternoon, and evening, and throughout the day, just intimate prayer, constantly conversing with him, and engaging in his word, engaging his word that we might know him more, and knowing him more, we will surrender unto him. It's a really grand fellowship that God wants to have. And what you're discovering about God as you're reading his word, you're saying, wow, Lord, I lift this up to you in praise. And I say, Lord, please let that be evident in me. In prayer and in God's word and vibrancy, your vibrancy in church ministry, engaged with one another in church life, vibrant church life. Now, I'm encouraged that so many of you are here today because you're determined not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might discern and know and obey the will of God. That's why you're here. Many of you are here today because you are on a spiritual journey. Life in church is not merely a practice or a habit for you. This isn't just something we do down in the Bible Belt on Sunday mornings. No, for you, you've come expecting the Spirit of God to work in your heart. I'm encouraged by that. Many of you have walked into this place believing that God is going to do something incredible. You have an expectation. So your Bible is open because you know the word of God is alive and it is sharp. And it is like sharper than a double-edged sword able to cut between the soul and the spirit to discern your thoughts and your intentions in your heart. And you have opened it today, believing that God would reveal that to you. And you're quick to say, Lord, what you find in me that is not of you, let that be done. Forgive me, cleanse me, wash me anew, correct me. Many of you have walked into this building with a bated breath saying, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there is any grievous way in me and lead me to the path of everlasting you have purposefully submitted to the instruction of God's word. And that's the reason why you're here. It's why you will listen to me with attention because you believe that God is, his word is being proclaimed. Each day as I prepare these messages and pray alongside my wife holding her hand as I'm heading off to the office and I know it's going to be a sermon prep day. I'm like, Lord, only you know the people like like a God can know them. You know their hearts. You know their sufferings. You know their trials. You know what they're in need of. I don't know all those things. So Lord, would you help me today to get engaged in your word and put some things on paper that will rightly divide your word of truth? And then would you help me to communicate it in a way that will make an impact to their heart? And Lord, would you do the supernatural? Let the Holy Spirit apply it to each of their lives individually. 
I've been praying over that for, for weeks and months and years, certainly this past week. Asking him to apply this word to your hearts and my hearts. So this morning as you've entered into this place, this is a different, this is a different place because it's a different gathering. It's a gathering of saints where you've united your voices in a way that would amplify your your praise and worship to God. And perhaps you were looking around as I did when you were singing and you made eye contact with somebody as you were singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and you were doing it because you were encouraged by them and you wanted to speak the truths that you were singing in a way that would encourage them. You can only do that in a vibrant church that sings biblical music, who has a purpose to engage in the things of Christ So Sunday morning is a holy gathering of the saints. And that gathering was championed by the disciples themselves who witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it has been going on for every generation of Christians since. It's a day unlike any other day for Christians to gather together. So in this room, we are likened that to King David who said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. This is going to be a unique time together. We're like the writer of Hebrews where we purposefully draw near to God with a true heart, a full assurance of faith where our hearts have been sprinkled clean from what was once evil in our conscience and our body had been washed by the purity of God's water and we hold fast to a confession that we have a hope that is unwavering for he has promised that he would be faithful to us and this morning you are considering as you enter into life group and other things that we have going on today how you might stir up one another in love and good works, not neglecting the meeting of ourselves like some are in the habit of doing, but instead of encouraging one another and even all the more as we know the day is approaching. Vibrant church life because you are vibrant people by the Holy Spirit and his sanctifying work. There are rhythms that you and I are establishing that God has prescribed for us to be part of intimate prayer. Prayer in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, and throughout the day and evening. When we wake and stir, we're quick to say, oh, Lord, let me pick up where we left off. Wonderful, engaging scripture time. I encourage you to do it in the morning where you believe it's not just reading, but it is coming to know God. And as you come to know God more, you're drawing more intimately to him. And as you read it, you're, you're meditating on it. You're memorizing it. You're sharing it. You're praying it. It's an engaging word. And then as we gather together and do activity in missions and ministry and worship and service unto the Lord, we do it with vibrancy. And in all those ways, God's working in our hearts You're purposing to obey him in those things. I'm grateful. So the Spirit will use all those disciplines and more, which we'll talk about over the next three weeks, to cultivate our heart, to be more like Jesus, that we might bear more fruit to him, more glorious unto him. Now, the Spirit has given us lots of different instructions, but one that I focused in on this week in my time with the Lord in prep for this message are the one another commands in the New Testament. Man, there's a bunch of them. 
Most of them are written in the positive. Some of them are written in the negative, but there's about 50 of them. I'm not going to share 50 of them with you this morning, but I'm going to get close to about half. I want to walk through these with you because this is the vibrancy that the Spirit of God will use as he's working in our heart. This is not just something we do. This is the Spirit working in us and being worked in us. So here's what he commands of us. Instruct one another. Eat with one another. Care for one another. Comfort one another. Lovingly serve one another. Those are just five right there. Here's the way we we work this vibrancy in church life. Uh, Listen, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out how we're going to eat together. Uh, You call each other up. You go eat together. Well, the house isn't clean. Well, their house isn't clean either. So just come on, let's eat together in a dirty house. I, I can put my feet up. It's fine. I'm comfortable. Or we'll go eat somewhere together. How about Cafe 59? Let's just be together. Let's eat together. Let's care for one another. Let's comfort one another. Let's lovingly serve one another. Now look, it's pretty easy to be a Christian when you're in your house and you're binging Netflix. It's pretty easy to be a Christian when you're just kind of hanging out doing what you like to do alone. The challenge is not there. The challenge is when you are interacting with one another. Now, some of you are really easy to interact with. Some of you, not so much. (laughs) But this is what the Holy Spirit is desiring of us, that we might be vibrant together. We might live together. This is genuinely what fellowship is all about, living life together. Everybody eats. Everybody eats. So eat together. Everybody needs love, so love. Everybody has to be served, so serve. Receive it and give it. Now look at the next five. Patiently bear one another in love, be kind to one another, forgiving one another, address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, submit to one another, admonish one another. All those are commands of God for us and what he's doing, he's saying, look, I want to cultivate the hearts of the people at Meadowbrook and this is the way I want you to engage cultivating their heart. Why? Because you're my body. And I want to cultivate in your heart, Randy, the things of Christ so I am going to have several hundred people moving toward you in this way so that you will be cultivated in your heart to be more like Jesus. So people are going to admonish you. People are going to speak truth into you. They're going to bear with you. They're going to be kind to you and love you and be patient toward you. And when you sense that, know that that's me. That's my body cultivating you to be like me. Look at the next ones. Encourage one another and build one another up. Seek to do good to one another, exhort one another, stir up one another to love and good works. Confess your sins to one another. Hey, can we just stop there for a minute? When's the last time you confessed to the Lord sin in your life? He already knew it. It's not like you did it without him seeing it. 
He knew it. The importance, though, is for us to confess it. You know what the confession is? Confession in the original language of the Bible just simply means to agree with. I agree with that. So that tells us that the Holy Spirit has illuminated something in our life. He has shined his light on something that's dark that we want to keep hidden. He's shining light on that, and he's saying to us, that is not me. That's not Christ. That is against me. That's against Christ, and that's sin. And in our confession, we are agreeing with him, Lord That is sin. That is not of you. When's the last time you confessed to God sin in your life? Let me take it a step further. When's the last time you confessed sin to God in your life and you wanted it to be rid of your life so much that you confessed it to somebody? Somebody else that will give you the audible. How's that going in your life? Are you walking in God's grace in that? Are you walking in God's truth in that? Man, God wants to bless you in walking in obedience to that. How's that going? Can I pray for you about that? How can I walk side by side with you in that? Keep loving one another earnestly. Show hospitality to one another with gifts you've received. Serve one another as good managers or stewards. Live humbly with one another And then 12 times, it's like this is the the grand kahuna. 12 times he says, love one another. In, In 1 and 2 John, he repeats six times, love one another. It, it is the essence of what it's like to walk in the image of Christ. Love one another. And you can't do that while you're at home by yourself. Love requires you to be engaged with somebody. So love one another by being engaged at Meadowbrook. Now, Christ did every one of these things perfectly. I mean, every one of these, he hit it out of the park in every sense of the manner. And his spirit is now working in us to shape us to bear that image of Christ, to to have these things actively alive in us. And that's vibrancy. So look, I know this kind of ministry is difficult. And to live that kind of life is absolutely hard. It's actually impossible without the manifestation of the Holy Spirit evident in us. This kind of vibrancy requires new life in Jesus. And it requires a willingness for you and me to have our hearts cultivated by him. I'm kind of wrapping things up, so if your mind's getting a little bit distracted, uh, zoom back in with me, because I've got about three minutes. I was pretty disappointed with a survey that I read from Lifeway Research. It was actually taken back in 2019, but I think it's probably fairly accurate today. It said almost two-thirds of churchgoers agreed with this statement. Listen to the statement. Two-thirds of churchgoers said, yeah, I agree with that. And here it is. I can walk with God without other believers. Two-thirds of churchgoers said, yeah, I can do that. I can walk with God without other believers. And let me tell you, the Holy Spirit says, I beg to differ with you. 
It can't be done. You cannot do it because God didn't intend for you to do it. This working, this cultivating in your heart is very much an individual call, but it is not individualistic to be lived out. It is meant to be lived in body. It's meant to be lived in fellowship. It's meant to be where you interact with one another and you're challenged in the interaction. Where we have people in church, don't be offended, who are weirdos. You say, preacher, we don't have weirdos here. Up, you're the one, you're the one. It requires it that we're not all alike. Where you have to exercise patience and enduring love and move toward them like Christ moved toward them. Where you say, hey, come, let's dine together. Whether you're a prostitute, a tax collector, or a sinner, let's dine together. Let me share the good news of Christ with you. Let me share what the Spirit of God wants to do in you. Where you purposefully engage as Christ purposely engaged. And in doing so, man, is he glorified. Oh, is he honored. People walk away from those kind of interactions and they say, thank you, Jesus. They get to see a glimpse of him. That's the vibrancy that the Bible is calling for. It's the working in our heart. It's difficult. It's not easy. It's a whole lot easier just to come to this hour and leave, not stay for life group. Because life group is where you get into the muck with people. And once you're out of life group in that hour, it's not easy to pick up the phone and say, hey, you want to go eat lunch together? You want to come over to the house and let's get to know each other a little better how can I serve you today? Or oh, I'm really hurting. Could I just ask you, would you serve me in this way? That's what God is wanting of us. And what he's doing is he is shaping our heart to be more like Jesus. Press towards him in that. So if you're there, if you're saying, oh God, work in my heart, then keep seeking. He is being found. You say, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm asking. Keep asking. You say, will, will he do this work in me? Keep knocking. Keep knocking. For what he has begun, he will complete. Let's pray together. More than attendance, more than doing Lord, you desire this body of believers to be, to be the body of Christ. So help us, Lord, to be alive in Jesus and to have his life expressed in us, individually and collectively, to his glory. Please, I pray in your name, amen.